You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Thursday, April 27th, 2023, will be forever etched in my heart's memory. The hospice nurse, his name was Muhammad. Emotion for my wife Karen to come into the room. The room was located at the mansions of assisted living in Sandy Springs, where her father was, Reverend Gary B. Bird. Early that evening, our church prayer team prayed over Karen's father, Gary, via FaceTime. And Doug Allen sang the most anointed version of leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus that I had ever heard. My father-in-law, Gary, breathed his last earthly breath as Karen held her daddy in her arms. Her mama, Joyce, her brother, Gary Jr., and our daughter, Melody, and I were standing in that room when all of this happened. We were standing in what N.T. Wright refers to as a thin place. And maybe you heard Sally say that in her prayers a few times, a thin place. You may wonder, well, what does that mean? While we were in that room, a deep peace was present. And we knew it was time to transition from praying for healing to committing Gary into the arms of his Savior. For months, weeks, and even the last hours of his life, we kept praying for healing. Lord, heal him. Heal him. Heal him of this cancer. That was our prayer. And then when we began to realize God was going to heal him in his way, the ultimate act of grace to lead Gary into eternity. So we started praying, Lord, receive him into your arms. Our final goodbye was coinciding with heaven's welcome. It's that beautiful transition at the end of life when you know your loved one, your friend, knows Jesus Christ. And they're making that transition from their earthly life to eternity. That's why I will often say, let's pray for so-and-so for their earthly loss. Because that's what it is. It's an earthly loss. It's the loss of intimacy that we grieve Yes, we rejoice and we have great hope in heaven in eternity in what Doug just described in Revelation for us. But how about the here and now? We want to be able to hug them and shake their hand and have conversations with them. That's important, isn't it? But as we were saying goodbye, we knew this was not the end. As the song says, goodbye is not the end. It really is the beginning. 
There are many people who will not attend an All Saints service because it's too difficult for them. And I would say to them and I would say to you, after this service today, I believe you will receive comfort and hope that will help you move forward, not move on. Those words are, to me, the most negative words you could ever say to anyone. You need to move on. Who are you? Who am I to say that to somebody? That provides no comfort, even though we've all said it many times. We move forward, and we continue to live. You see, in the midst of agony, trauma, and shock, there was the peace of God that was present with us in that room that night as Gary was under hospice care. It was a, a peace that really is a peace that passes all understanding. A week later, I had the opportunity to celebrate his life and capture his heart and ministry in the most uplifting and anointing funeral I have ever been to. I didn't feel like it was a funeral. It was a worship service. Yesterday, I did a wedding. Last two weekends, I've done weddings. And I begin the weddings with Scripture. And throughout the wedding, it's Scripture, and there's worship music and a blessing. And after the wedding, we're gathered in the, the rehearsal or reception hall. It's a rehearsal and reception hall. They do both in this one place. And they have a family member say a prayer. And what he said in his prayer, he said, this wasn't just a wedding. This was a worship service. And why not? Shouldn't weddings and funerals be worship services? Shouldn't God be lifted up and proclaimed, especially during those times? But in many funerals, we leave out sad, like we've been to one of those dirges, you know, just, oh, you know. But that wasn't Gary's service. And that's never a service where I am the officiant of a funeral. It's going to bring glory to God, and we're going to celebrate that life. No matter how traumatic it may be, we're going to bring God into the midst of the agony, the trauma, the suffering, and the pain. He didn't say, I'm going to take away all the pain and suffering of the world, but he did tell us he would fill us with his peace that passes all understanding, that he would go through it with us, that he would carry us through those times of loss and death. So at that service where I was very humbled and honored to be the officiant of a saint who had been a minister, preached the gospel for 55 years. So we celebrated the story that defines us. By the way, we're in a series, if this is your first time at Mystic Creek, and this won't be your last time, especially if you live locally, you will be back here because you've already encountered the authentic presence of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I don't know if I felt this before, let me just say it's more than a feeling, folks. It's real what you're experiencing right now in this place. What you just experienced was not Doug Allen. What you just experienced was Doug being divinely inspired to deliver God's Word in its raw form in a magnificent way. So we're in this series called The Story Live In. The story you live in is the story that you live out.
And so we celebrated during this service the story that defines us. It's a story of grace in which all brokenness will experience healing. All suffering will come to an end. And death will be merely a gateway into everlasting life for those who respond to the love of Jesus. Now, several of us went to a movie last week. We were pumped about it because Angel Studios had promoted it. And Angel Studios is the group that produces The Chosen. Now, the women in here know all about The Chosen because that's their Bible study. Chosen Season 3. And it is magnificent, by the way. So we were all pumped about it. And I would say, Doug and I were talking about this. If I was, you know, Ebert, you know who Ebert is, right? Usually when he says a movie's bad, that means it's going to be really good. Well, I would say it was probably a C plus or a B, right, Doug? We said something, maybe a B minus somewhere in there. Not because it wasn't powerful. I mean, the, the scientific evidence and the facts, there's no doubt that there's everlasting life. There's no doubt that there's heaven. Jesus is very descriptive in that, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But they missed something in that movie. They missed the opportunity to present Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one that allows us to go through that gateway and enter in eternity. Now, I must say there wasn't much of that in the movie, which surprised me. And I'm not knocking the movie, but you're probably not going to take your unbelieving friends of that movie, and they're going to be like, I believe! Probably not going to be that kind of thing. Um, just FYI. Sorry, Angel Studios. I'm still going to watch The Chosen, man. So this is a, a story of grace that I was preaching that day. You see, we worship a God who knows how to grieve. You didn't know that, did you? We worship a God who knows how to grieve. We worship a God who doesn't try and minimize the pain of loss. Some of you in here have experienced tremendous loss. You've lost children and grandchildren and spouses, your daddy, your mama, your cousin, your best friend, multiple losses, severe losses, generational losses. All of us have. Some of you are walking that road right now with a loved one. The end of life journey. Comfort care, quality care, palliative care, hospice care. There are a lot of descriptions nowadays, and you're on that journey. And it's exhausting, and it drains you. That's what death tends to do, but it doesn't have to. So hold on with me a few more moments. So we worship a God who has mercy in our times of anger and frustration. He knows that we cry out and we question him when we face losses. He knows that. We worship a God who knows when to speak and when just to hold us when we cry. And you don't think that loved one or that friend, when they hold you, they're not representing God? They are. That is the body of Christ when someone holds you as you cry. And they may not say a word to you. They may just hold you. They may just listen to you. That wonderful quality of empathetic listening that is hard for people to do because we don't really care to listen. We want everybody to hear what's going on with us. You know that person, right? You dare to ask them, how you doing? Because they're going to tell you, right? 45 minutes later and they're still telling you. You love that person who not only will tell you a few things about how they're doing, but immediately will ask you, tell me about you. Tell me about you. What's going on with you? How is it with your soul? And they look you in the face 
And while you're having that conversation and they're just listening, they're not reaching into their back pocket. Just a second. This is never more important than the person right in front of you. But a lot of you will never learn that lesson. You need to learn that lesson. I'm on call a lot, so I'm accessible, but I try my very hardest to be present when I'm with you. And I will see you in the hospital or in your home if I know you're there. I don't read minds. So if you don't tell anybody and they say, the preacher never visited me, if you don't tell us, I'm, I just don't do that. I'm, I'm good, but I'm not that good. And we want to visit you. We want to see you. We want to encourage you. But we have a church that's filled with ministers. It's not just me and Doug. Everybody says, oh, that church over there with Doug and Stephen. It's not the Doug and Stephen show. I mean, we can put on a show, but that's not who we are. It's not a show. It's not performance. It's not about our glory. It's about his glory. That's why I'm not a pat on the back preacher. You listen to preachers that are. I could list them off that say, oh, can I get an amen? Can I get a witness in here? Boy, am I preaching this morning? Who are you? It's God that is delivering a message through you. Always give him the glory and give him the high five and the pat on the back. But I want you to know, every human heart that has ever lived has experienced grief. And grief isn't just the loss of a loved one, folks. Grief comes in many ways. Many people grieve at being empty nesters. Some of you rejoice. (laughs) Finally. Now we have a life, okay? And if some of you look at your spouse and say, who the heck are you after 30 years of doing nothing but taking care of the kids? If it's 30 years and you have been taking care of the kids, there's a stepbrother syndrome going on there. Be careful for the four who got that reference. And there was only four. Or maybe you've gone through divorce or you're going through that right now and you're grieving over that. Your pets. People say, oh, why do you grieve over pets? Folks, Pets are like people to us. We love them, don't we? They mean something to us. So there's a lot of forms of grief. These folks that are Stephen ministers and are training to be Stephen ministers, and you've heard Glenn talk about Stephen ministry. He's doing the camera. Please talk to Glenn or Karen Foreman or Kenneth Obley about the Stephen ministry. That's not my ministry. It's a ministry that provides care, a listening ministry. We're hoping to form a a similar ministry to that a caring ministry. You'll hear a lot more about that. But every human heart that has ever lived has experienced grief, and if you haven't, you're going to. So making the choice to worship in the middle of that pain has power to transform it into something life-giving and beautiful. And in a minute, I'm going to share with you a story where someone that you've heard of worshiped in the midst of the most horrid grieving you could imagine. So tears are going to be cried either way, folks. Whether you worship God or lean in Him or not, either way, the choice is yours is whether to pour your tears onto the feet of Jesus or not. Because down at the feet of Jesus is the most high place. The feet of Jesus. I humbly bow before you, Jesus. And I surrender all these feelings and all this sadness and all this sorrow because I know on the cross you soaked all of that up into yourself. All of it. All the sin, all the death, all the despair, all the evil. You soaked it up into you, Jesus. All of that on yourself. And the pain of crucifixion and the mocking and being ostracized and watching your mama go through this 
and your followers and those who loved you. And yet, what did Jesus do in the midst of all of that? To his oppressors, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That means you can bring anything and everything to the feet of Jesus and surrender it. And he will comfort you and give you his peace, a peace that's not of this world. In this world, you're going to face all kinds of tribulation and sorrow. But Jesus has overcome the world. His peace is a peace that transcends all understanding. And I want you to hold on to that. As T saying, hold on. I am holding on to you. So back to this time of experiencing death at a high level with my father-in-law, who many of you have met. You heard him pray, pray recently through a recording at Bluegrass Sunday for the blessing. I was struck by the intensity of the grieving I witnessed at the mansion's assisted living that evening. I was struck by a lot of things. How long it took for the nurse to get there uh, to pronounce him officially dead. How long it took for a, a representative from the funeral home to get there. It was like four or five hours, which was unacceptable to me, but that's just the way it was that night. But it gave us more time to be together in that moment, just a few of us. And as we hugged each other with such passion, it just moved me. Later, I was thinking about what I wanted the family to know, my family, as they were looking to me. What are they to do with this pain, this earthly loss? It's heavy. It's a spiritual giant we've lost here. Well, this led me to recall the account of David. Remember King David? When he grieved the death of his son with Bathsheba. Now, we all know David was a mighty king, a man after God's own heart. But David sinned, a major sin. He lusted after a woman. And he put that woman's husband at the forefront of battle, knowing that Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, would be killed. And Bathsheba, man, she must have been some. Bathsheba would be David's. And she was. But there were consequences to that. And I won't read that whole story because it's a, it's a full chapter of reading. But because of this, they lose their first son together. And I want to share this passage with you. Listen to every word. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 through 23. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent the night lying in sackcloth on the ground, not the bed. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the 17th day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? he asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he'd washed and he put on lotions, 
and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He worshiped in the house of the Lord. Then he went to his own house and had his request. They served him food and he ate. His attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back? I will go to him. He will not return to me. I want to emphasize verses 20 and 23. It says, I will go to him. I will go to him. We will go to our loved ones. They will not return to us. This is the greatest assurance of hope that we have. God will make all things new. It is well with our souls. This morning, as we observe Holy Communion, I want to share a few things with you that's a little unique and different. First time we've done this here at Misty Creek Community Church. And this April will be five years old since beginning in the living room of the Menifee home. You might have noticed outside these beautiful ribbons with an ornament attached to it and a bell. And many of you had the opportunity as you came into the sanctuary to, to write the name of a loved one on that ornament and the date that you experienced that earthly loss. If you didn't get that opportunity and you're like, oh, I missed out or I, was, I got here just in time and I didn't know about it, then you'll have a chance to do that at the conclusion of the service. But for those of you who do have those, I want you to keep them near you because I'm going to give you some instructions on what you're going to do with those today. And I, I really want to thank the trio of Susan Altman, Susan Haiti, and Ellen Lane. They are the trio. If you don't know them, you need to get to know those three ladies. They have creative genius. They took this old redneck's idea to a grandiose level and let the spirit just move through them. And so what's been done here has been done through the vision of a God who grieves as we grieve and a God who waits for us to come to our loved ones with open arms. So I'll give you some instruction on that in just a few moments. But I just wanted to set the stage. 
I'm going to ask Reagan to help me with the, the table here. So Holy Communion is an outward and visible sign of a, an inward and spiritual grace. The fancy church word is sacrament. And I would just say grace is a shorthand way of expressing God's unconditional love for us. And as Jesus gathered around the table for his last meal with his disciples, he was very clear on the intent. Very clear that this would be his last meal with his best friends for the last three years. Yes, Jesus had best friends. You know, the scripture says that you're a friend of God. Did you know that? You are a friend of God, a child of God, a child of the marvelous light. You're not a child of darkness. You're a child of the light. And so children of light, Easter people, children of the resurrection, before the resurrection could occur, this meal had to be observed. And this meal was observed, and then shortly after that, is when Jesus was led off to his betrayers. And then later, his journey down the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, to Calvary, the cross, Golgotha, the hill of the skull, which several of us here from Misty Creek were in the vicinity of where that crucifixion occurred. You talk about a high and holy moment. Wasn't that a high and holy moment when we were there? And so I want you to think about this for a moment. Let's just imagine that we are around that table together. We're reclining. We're not in comfortable seats. We're reclining and we're around the table. And boy, oh boy, do we love Jesus. And we're listening to every word he says because we believe he's going to retrace the Passover. That's the festival that they're observing. And that he's going to retell the story of their people being rescued and saved from the Passover lamb. But instead of that, he tells them that he's going to be betrayed by one of them. That he's going to be arrested, turned over to his enemies. He's going to be crucified. Crucifixion in that time period meant that you were cursed. In the Old Testament, that's where we get that word from. You're cursed if you're crucified. It's a stumbling block to many traditions today. Because you can't have a cursed Messiah. But Jesus knew that he was born to die. He knew that he had to go through with this. This was God's redemptive plan for all of humanity, that he would be the ultimate sacrificial lamb, that he would lay down his life so that you and I could live, so that you and I could have an intimacy with God the Father, Abba himself, that we could approach the throne of grace. We could go to the foot of the cross, down at the feet of Jesus, the most high place, and surrender to him and cast all of our cares and burdens upon him because nothing is too big for him to handle. And so as you come to the table today, what we're going to ask is for those who have their ornament, their piece of ribbon, they'll come first and they'll place that ribbon on this banner stand and then they'll receive Holy Communion. This is not going to be as structured as we normally do. This row and this row. Some of you that are structural, you won't be able to stand it. Get beyond yourself today. We're off schedule. We're off schedule when the Holy Spirit's moving. When we're on schedule, that's man moving. Just FYI. Just thought you might want to know that for a second. You've been rigid long enough. It's time to get off the script. 
And so you'll come and do that. You'll receive Holy Communion by intention, which means our servers will break off a piece of bread and they'll place it in your hand. You'll place it in the cup and you'll return to your seats. And then the rest of us will come and receive Holy Communion. We will end the service today. And reminder, we don't ever end worship here. We're just beginning. I will process out. You will follow me and we'll go out those doors with that banner. And something will happen out on that lawn that has never happened in the history of this church. How about that? And you're here today. Aren't you glad you got over that little stomach thing you had and that headache and saying, I don't know if I want to go today. And God nudged you and you got here. Aren't you glad? And you haven't even looked at your clock because you got an extra hour. You should be like Jojo the Clown right now. You know? I sure am. I can't tell you how filled I am with the Holy Spirit right now. I can't hardly contain it. And I'm not supposed to. But I'm going to pray. And we're going to invite the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit to be with us. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, we come before you with humility. And we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for falling short of who you created us to be. And in this moment right now, Lord, we silently confess our sins. And anything that separates us from you, we confess that to you right now silently, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, as your forgiven people, we come to this table and we ask for your presence to be upon this bread and upon this juice. Make them be for us representative of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray that your spirit would descend upon us, Lord, making us the body of Christ redeemed by the blood of Christ, disciples, servants, sent forth into all the world, making disciples of all nations and proclaiming your goodness so that one day, as your scripture says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Make it so, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.